Hello and welcome to Stupid Sequence, the show where we make rank lists of things that don't matter because arguing with your friends is fun. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your host, Scott. This is our fifth episode, and we'll start with a quick summary of what the show is. The goal of each episode is to create a rank list of something, usually media-related. Scott and I will pick a topic before the show and each come prepared with a list of ten. In the first segment, we'll talk about the first five items from each list, or each of our lists in detail. This week, it's going to be top six for reasons we'll talk about in a second. We'll talk about why we feel they fit the list, why they're special to us, or maybe some interesting facts about them. From there, we'll use the second segment to briefly mention the remaining items on our separate list before going head-to-head and arguing over which items belong on the official top ten. This week, we are going to be talking about the best one-hit wonders. Ooh. And I know sometimes in the past we've kind of um, intentionally broadened the topic out to cover um, maybe more unexpected takes on what the core topic is. We're not doing that this week. We're just talking about music here. That's right. We we considered broader ideas of what a one-hit wonder might be, but in reality, the most succinct way of describing it is through music. And... uh Scott wanted to do a music episode, so here we are. Yeah, well, music makes me happy. <laughs> Who likes music? Come on. Oh, gosh, I know. It just brings joy to my life and uh, describes circumstances I'm living with and accompanies me on my journey. But anyway. Uh, what we do um, in preparation for each episode, uh, we have an impartial third-party judge who looks over Scott and I's submissions because we keep these secret from each other while we're developing them because we want to save the conversation for the show, right? Super Um, secret. Absolutely. Can't know anything. Uh, So we send our finalized lists off to the impartial third-party judge. Uh, They review to see if we have any duplicates on our list, and I think we have a record uh, for the show so far in most duplicates, uh, in the top ten anyway. Which is... Probably surprising to me more than anything. I didn't think we were going to have any duplicates at all in our top 10. Well, uh, we have one in top one, one in both of our top five. So we're going to, and then, and then two in some of the lower portions. Uh, but we're, uh, since we usually go over our top fives here, that just means we're going to be going over our top sixes each which will end up being 11 items total that we'll discuss in detail on the show this week. So why don't we get right to it? We'll start with Scott, your number six. What do you got for us? Okay, so my number six is from a little band known as Blind Melon, and the song is No Rain. I've heard of this. You definitely have. Sure. For those who associate it with the music video, it is the tap-dancing little B-girl. And she's the one that kind of inspired the music video. Uh, now, it, I have no idea what this music video is, and I'll tell you what we're going to do here. Um, I'm going to take... I'm going to take a second here. You can talk about this. I'm going to listen to this song, or at least a little snippet of it. 
while you're talking, just so I know. Yeah, I just, sure. I want context for what we're talking about here. Sure. Because so, I don't know it off the top of my head. No problem. 1993, uh, it was the second single from the band's debut album, which was self-titled. Uh, the music video is definitely in part responsible for propelling them to a multi-platinum level. They reached number 20 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number one on both the Billboard album rock tracks and modern rock track charts. And it proved to be successful internationally, peaking at number one in Canada and number eight in Australia. I, I really, really enjoy this song. It's a kind of a peak 90s alternative kind of music. And it, it really just, it's been sitting with me for so long and has accompanied me throughout my life that I, I just, I had to include it on this list. Every time it comes up, I will sing the song start to finish. All right. I've listened to the song and briefly. I've and you remember it. You remember the song. It. I've never heard the song before in my life. What? I have no idea what this is. Blind Melon. No rain. You're sure. I've definitely heard of Blind Melon before as a band. My gosh. Um, I've seen those words, but I have no idea what this song is. And you call yourself a 90s kid. How dare you? I wasn't allowed to listen to popular music in the 90s. I was raised in a strict Christian household. And so I listened to the Christian music. Now, mm. in the years since then, broadened my horizons a bit and have listened to a lot of what you might consider to be the popular music of the 90s, and some of it's good, but I don't know this one. Mm, man, you, you're missing out then, because this is a fantastic song. The, the song is actually credited to the whole band, but it was the bassist who wrote the greater part of it. Um, I think he was quoted as saying that the song is about not being able to get out of bed and find excuses to face the day when you have really, in a way, nothing. And at the time, he had been dating a girl who was going through depression, and she would just sleep through sunny days and complain when it didn't rain. And for a while, he told himself that he was writing the song from her perspective, though he later realized that he was also writing it about himself. Interesting. So, yeah. And the music video, uh, which was directed by Samuel Bear. It stars uh, Heather DeLoach as the bee girl, a young tap dancer wearing a homemade bee costume and large glasses, almost comical. I and, saw the bee girl just now. And it's modeled after the Blind Melon album cover, right? Um, which is a family picture of Georgia Graham, a younger sister of the drummer, Glenn Graham. And the bee girl's story is intercut with footage of Blind Melon performing in a field against a clear blue sky. Um, as a result of the video, Deloach appeared on the MTV Video Music Awards doing her B-Girl dance to close the show and also appeared as the B-Girl in the video for Weird Al Yankovic's song, Bad Rock Anthem. Uh, and I will add one last thing here. Uh, two more things, actually. Despite rumors, it should be noted that the lead singer of this band is, in fact, not blind. And there are about 20 different covers of this song mostly acapella but really nothing of note that gained popularity uh important to note you mentioned that he's not blind is he a melon Ooh, i'm gonna have to get back with you on that one i'm not 100 percent sure okay i need you to fact check a little bit better next time mm, you know i i try to do my research i try to do my homework and really bring facts that people are going to want to hear I'm I'm just 
I really let you down this time. I'm sorry. Would it surprise you to know that on top of never hearing about this song, I've also never seen the B-Girl before? Given, given your strict upbringing, I'm going to say no. It does not surprise me. But given my, call it, unjaded view of 90s childhood, it does surprise me a little bit, and I'm a little disappointed for you. And I, I hope you get to experience more of this song, because it's, it's really good. Hopefully one day we can all have a B-girl in our lives. I'm singing the song in my head. Not out loud, because I don't want to scare anyone away. Our very few listeners that we have. Well, I'm sure a time on this podcast is going to come up where we can't help it and we have to sing, because some of these songs are real good. That'll probably happen with my next song, but you know what? Enough of my number six. What's your number six? My number six is... Play That Funky Music by the band Wild Cherry, originally recorded in 1976. I have, in fact, heard this song. I would have been surprised had you not, because this song has been used in a lot of stuff. I bet. Uh, so, uh, like Scott, like you mentioned here um, on your previous song, uh, there's some, um, some covers of your one. Um, I brought up to you before the show, I had found a website. I forget the name of right now. I'll probably credit it in the show notes. <clears throat> that uh secondhand songs that's what it is um that tells you about uh notable covers recordings of different songs so i thought it would be fun to establish a cover count for each of these songs on our lists because i think it's interesting uh so the cover count for wild cherries play that funky music is 57 which is a lot of covers also, that leads interestingly into, uh, apparently, did not realize this, Wild Cherry, the band, started as a cover band. Uh, a hard rock cover band. Not doing their own original songs. And they picked their band name off of a cough drop tin. Hmm. We got a lot, of, a lot of deep creativity here going around at the start of... My uh, word. Start of the band Wild Cherry, I guess. But, uh, uh, so... Uh, one of the uh, members of the band, Rob Parisi, who's the lead singer, wrote this wrote the song. Uh, and originally, since they were a cover band, they um, wanted to release this. It's just kind of like a B side to one of their covers of a uh, Commodore's song. But uh, their record label suggested, "Hey, we think this song is good. Let's make it the A side of the single." And then it, the song did was massively popular and. And charted very well and and everything. However, that being said, nothing they ever really did made it anywhere else. You know, and this is one thing that we neglected to mention at the top of the show. Um, we I'm just in talking about how we're defining one hit wonders. Um, a one hit wonder in in what we're going to talk about here has to be a one hit wonder in the United States specifically. We're counting songs as one-hit wonders in the U.S. that had for that bands had other success outside the United States, just because we like a lot of those songs, and it would be a lot harder to put this list together if it was not just one hit anywhere. They didn't have any other songs because a ton of one-hit wonders in the United States, anyway, were did achieve some success elsewhere. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. That all being said, Wild Cherry, not one of those. This is their only song that really went anywhere. And it's good. It's a fun song. The uh, uh, Rob Parisi, the story he tells about um, the origin of this song 
is they were kind of, you know, they're this hard rock cover band in the 70s in the age of disco as that's gaining popularity. And he tells a story about there is a black audience member who's kind of heckling them at a show saying, uh, quote, are you going to play some funky music, white boys? Uh, so he was struck by the idea, he says, in that moment. And he says he wrote the song in about five minutes. Wow. Which is impressive. It's not the most complicated song, but it's very catchy. But yeah, I think uh, I really enjoy play that funky music. I think it's just a fun, a fun little jam uh, that I've listened to a lot of times in my life. So that's uh, that's what earns it the number six spot on my list. Yeah, you know, I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a song that I also have played a ton in my life. I distinctly remember burning that song to a CD right around middle school. Yeah, that song got a number of plays in my my room at the time. Okay, here's a, here's a follow up question to that. Of the songs on your top ten list, mm-hmm. how many of them did you have on an iPod? Because mm. I'm I looking over my list right now. I hadn't thought about this question before. Looking over the list right now, it is 9 out of 10 of these. Mm, Let's see. I'm going to say one of them for sure I did not because I don't believe it was released by the time it was uh, iPod season, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think 9 out of 10 as well. It's got to be up there. And I only ever owned a single iPod. Okay. And that was the 30 gig video iPod. And uh, that screen was tiny. And I had. Yeah, like, but that was a good iPod. The, I had one I video. Had one videos as well. It was good. I still have mine. And I think it technically still works. I have not powered it on in some time, but I think yeah, it I, still works. I do too. I think it's like. Maybe the best piece of hardware is Apple Apple's ever made. The only reason that I stopped using it is like the battery ran out, you know, and just got to the point where it wouldn't stay charged anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, such is the way of things. Mm. All right. Well, enough of that sidebar. That's my number six. Scott, you're number five. Let's go. Number five. This one is a banger. It's from a band called Fountains of Wayne. And the song is Stacy's Mom. Alert, alert. Duplicate alert. She has, in fact, got it going on. She sure does. Stacy's Mom is number eight on my list. Nice. Hey, this song's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it is weirdly good. Like, I, I just didn't think that a song about uh, adolescent crushes uh, would be something that was so mass appealing, but it turns out a lot of people can relate to it and combine that with a, just a super catchy riff and, and some good lyrics and a very, very obvious music video. I, I think it just was a recipe for success. And I've got some details here. Um, since you were had it as your number eight, I'm I'm assuming you don't have 
too much written up on it, but you at least know this song, so that's good. You didn't know my number six. Correct. I will say the cover count on this song, cover count, is uh, 22. I believe I had the same number. That makes sense. So Stacy's Mom was written by the bassist and the vocalist, uh, both of whom produced the song alongside uh, Mike Deneen. He's also in the band. Its subject matter was inspired by a friend of the bassist because when he was younger, that friend was attracted to the bassist's grandmother. Oh, boy. Not even the mom, the grandma. Stacy's grandma just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. No, it really doesn't. The uh, song was meant to kind of emulate the sound of the band The Cars. Mm-hmm. And they definitely attribute their success to the fact that the opening guitar riff is very similar to The Cars song, uh, Just What I Needed. Sure. And I, I I read about this and I hadn't known about this ahead of time, but I did I did read this fact and go, yeah, you know what? I can absolutely see that. Just what I needed, I think, is an alright song, but I'm just not I've never super been into the cars. I think a lot of their stuff sounds very samey to me mm-hmm. in a way that um this song, I think Stacy's mom has more in a way, has more going on mm-hmm. than anything mm-hmm. the cars ever put out. Yeah, I agree. It's very poppy 80s pop but yeah very samey a lot of the the songs and the sounds of those were just i don't know they kind of blended in with the rest of the music of the of that era uh some other they're 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 a band that i think so they put uh i want to say like the whole first album of the cars on rock band three dlc um, and it's one of those bands that like any of those songs on an album, they start playing it and I can immediately identify, oh yeah, this is the cars. And then I can't tell you which of the songs it is because they all sound the same. Right. It's just one of those, those songs or those bands that just, you can immediately identify the artist. Distinctive sound for sure. For sure. So a couple other key points uh, after debuting at 59, it did peak at number 21 on the U S billboard hot 100, but of note, it also peaked at top 10 in Ireland and top 20 in the UK and Australia. It was certified gold by the recording industry association of America with over 500,000 copies sold. It was nominated for a Grammy award for best pop performance by I think a duo or a group with vocals. I I'm not sure on the distinction of those categories. They just all seem kind of arbitrary to me. Yeah, the Grammys categories are nonsense. Yeah. I don't understand them at all. Uh, best music video with a guy and a girl, but also singing. Wow. Best new artist isn't even about new artists. Yeah. Boney Vare won best new artist for their second album. Doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't make any sense. Accompanied by. The music video for this, which featured Rachel Hunter playing Stacy's mom, she's a model from New Zealand and has been on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition twice, once in 1994 and then again in 2006, which is pretty impressive. The 2006 one happened just a two or three years after the release of the song. 
interesting side note here, a little teaser for you later. We're going to hear a little bit more about someone from New Zealand later on in my list. Ooh. I'm going to also add that Ben Greenman, who's a writer for The New Yorker, he considered it the second catchiest song ever written about a girlfriend's parent after Mrs. Robinson. Mm, that is I, a very catchy song. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, we already kind of mentioned this, but there are lots of connections to the cars in the music video. Uh, so if you watch this music video, the license plate, I think it said, I heart Rick. There's somebody who's meant to look like Rick Ocasek of the cars. There are two or three other kind of little Easter eggs that are created specifically to give a nod to the, the opening guitar riff and kind of the inspiration for their music. Last but not least, the song ranks number 350 on Blender's 500 Greatest Songs Since You Were Born and number 88 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 2000s. How do they know when I was born? Yeah, I don't know. But the, the point of it is, so I think most adolescents or even just several adolescents can relate to this song, and, and that's probably in part why it's gained so, so much popularity. The movie American Pie. I don't know that it ever featured this movie, but it probably should have because it feels kind of like a spiritual partner, almost a twin to it in in that kind of time period. And I think that came out in 2000, 2000 maybe 99. Okay, I think American Pie is a little earlier than Stacey's mom's 2003. Right. Yeah. So it was a little bit earlier, but just something about that little era I kind of attribute it all together, and I think that the song, even now, if it were released, would still be super popular just because of how fun the song is and how relatable the content is. Uh, one thing I'll chime in with here, uh, a recent thing that I saw on the internet, I couldn't tell you, I can't credit this to anybody because I just saw it in passing. Uh, but there is a very clever cover of this song that I heard. I don't even know if it's a full cover. They just kind of did a verse and a chorus, I think. Uh, their cover of it was uh, Stacy's dad. Oh, I uh, did. And it was, this is pretty, I that. thought this was pretty funny. Stacy's dad has got me down bad. Yeah. He's all, he's all I want, and I think he's a real Chad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was pretty funny. I, I think I was the one that actually sent that to you, and it was, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I, I had forgotten about it until you just mentioned it, and the guy that's singing it, man, he just, he accompanies the, with a little music video that is, is just perfect for that. So for those who have not seen that little video, look it up, Stacy's dad cover or parody, very funny, definitely recommend it good note it's a good time so that being said it's on your you said number eight what is in fact your number five my number five is another song about a woman but a younger one perhaps problematically so uh it's a great song though we're talking about my sharona by the knack from 1979 uh, I like this song quite a bit. Very catchy. Nice guitar riff in it and everything. Uh, we'll start off with the cover count, which is 67 covers of this song. Uh, popular out there, it looks like. The lead singer of the Knack, Doug Figer, not sure how you say it, uh, 
Uh, he's from Michigan. Uh, Scott and I's native Michigan, so gotta call that out. Woo! My Sharona is the lead single off their first success, their first album. It is, uh, it was a massively successful hit, uh, and then just nothing, nothing else really caught on. Mm. Uh, they did have some songs that charted okay. They are actually the closest on my list to um, breaking my own internal rules for what I'm considering a one-hit wonder. They did have another song off that album that charted at number 11, but didn't quite break the top 10. So that's kind of a little arbitrary number that I thought was like, eh, multiple top 10s is maybe not a great pick for a one-hit wonder. But I had certainly never heard of that other song, so we're, I'm counting them. Uh, yep. Sharona, but you haven't really heard enjoyed. of No Rain by Blind Melon, so I don't think that you not hearing of a song is necessarily a good standard. But in this case, I'm going to let it fly because I couldn't tell you what that other song was. <laughs> no Rain by Blind Melon is the most popular song ever written, so I can understand your confusion. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, interesting uh, thing about The Knack. Kind of a weird idea as they went with this band. They kind of built themselves uh, to uh, have an extra appeal because they were trying to make it seem like they were a British invasion kind of style band. Okay. Uh, like your Beatles or your, your, your Rolling Stones or anything like that. Not familiar. Uh, and uh, apparently it didn't work because they, you know, they did okay. But and my Sharona was huge, but beyond that, yeah, they just they didn't really catch on, you know. Mm. Uh, anytime I hear song... this song now, it just makes me think of the TV show Monk, in yep. which Sharona was his primary sidekick for the first several seasons. Isn't isn't that like Randy? Doesn't he like do a cover of this a little music video song about her because he's got a crush on her? Randy, the other cop. Yeah, I vaguely I think, remember that. I think that happens. It's been like 15 years since I watched any monks, so it's been a while. My word. But, yeah. Anyway, sorry to derail the conversation. You may proceed. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, so the song is about Sharona Alperin, who uh, the lead singer, Doug Feiger, Feiger uh, met when she was 17. Mm. He was 25. Uh, apparently, eventually they started dating. Uh, and they, they I think they dated for a few years, but the they remained friends uh, for for a long time. Apparently, she went on to be a realtor. Uh, wow! <laughs> apparently, a very successful one from from what I read. She had a good career, I guess. But, That's so uh, random. <laughs> on top of uh, on top of her being, I don't know why, but like I knew that factoid before we doing research for this episode and everything. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, my shroud is about a realtor, weirdly enough. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, this is another one where um, he, uh, Mr. Feger, claims that he wrote this song in about 15 minutes. Uh, Man. And I don't know how you do that. <laughs> like, for, for some context, I play multiple instruments. Um, I, I really enjoy you know, playing music and listening to music and all sorts of things. I'm terrible at writing <laughs> much of anything really. Um, but I, I don't, I can't really write music at all. And just the idea of like, Oh yeah, I'm banging out a song in 15 minutes. That's crazy. Oh, but if these guys can do it, I mean, how hard can it actually be? They were one hit wonders, right? It's not that like they true. wrote a ton of songs that hit. They probably had a ton of songs and only really one of them was successful. 
So all we need to do is increase our quantity, and it'll increase our go. odds of having a one-hit wonder. Yeah, they went on to put something out like five or six albums or something after mm. this. Wow! And they just they never they never reclaimed. They never had anything that charted uh, even close to number one after um, after that first album. Hmm, it's giving me some ideas, and it will maybe we'll take a note out of the wild cherry playbook and just look around and find an item and decide on what our band name will be like our band name is stupid sequence i see a paper plate over here that had my dinner on it Hmm. a paper plate that had my dinner on it is too long for a band name unless you want to be a late 2000s pop punk band how about empty pizza plate okay anyway keep going yeah, that's about all I got on uh on okay. Mastrana, But man, that's a that's a that's a fun song. I I really enjoy it. It's got a good uh it's got the, I like the just the like the the guitar part obviously it's a good riff. Uh but the drums are really fun too. It's a, it's a fun the fun beat to drum to. Yeah, as as much as the song is enjoyable and catchy, I don't know if it's one of those songs that I would let play till the end i'd probably skip it if i had it come up on like pandora or spotify or whatever it's got a pretty long solo in it um solo sequence that i guess might not be for everyone but i like it i think it's good i think it has appropriate uses in a lot of commercials and probably tv shows or movies in small doses just because of how catchy it is. Boo, 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 I'll just listen to it all the way through. I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. <laughs> all right. So that's my Sharona. Uh, what's your number four? My number four. I have a feeling that it might be on your list, but that feeling has been wrong before. My number four is by Aha. It is called Take On Me. Duplicate alert. Ever heard of this song? Alert. Oh, you have. Huh? How about that? Uh-huh. Uh, this song, uh, Take On Me, is my one, number one. It is the best one of all time. Well, then I, I've got a lot to say about this song. and Me too. It, it, is, it is really good. I, I understand why you had it as number one. I is definitely this our first number one duplicate? There. I think it, it might be. No, because I had Lord of the Rings as a number one previously, I think, and you had it as, or you had it as number two. I I don't remember exactly. It doesn't matter. We'll come back to it. But the point is, take on me. The song's so good. It is. It's super good. Definitely was a, an immediate consideration when I thought of one hit wonders and. Like when I was putting my list together, it was like immediately like, oh yeah, take on me's number one with a bullet. Absolutely. So a couple interesting things about it. It was originally recorded in 1984. Mm -hmm. It was produced by Tony Mansfield and remixed by John Ratcliffe. The 1985 international hit version was produced by Alan Tarney for the group's debut studio album, Hunting High and Low. Yeah, that's something I I found really interesting um, looking at this song that I wasn't aware of prior to doing research here. That there was that 1984 version mm-hmm. that didn't do well at all. Like it charted in in Aha's native Norway. Mm-hmm. I think they 
got like number three or something there, but like didn't do well. Um, I think it did chart in the UK as well, but like just didn't catch on really um, anywhere else. And even in those places, it didn't like take the world by storm or everything. It wasn't until yeah. that re-recording that they were like, okay, we're going to try to really push this song worldwide um, with the, I think, and I think crucially with the second music video that they made for it, that is the one that everyone remembers with the, right. the, the, the pencil sketch. The, yeah. The pencil sketch um, animation and everything is that's when this song absolutely took the world by storm. Definitely. Yeah. The, the second 1985 release charted in September of 1985 and it reached number two on the UK singles chart in October. And in the US in October of 85, the single topped the Billboard's Hot 100, which was definitely attributed to the music video. The video itself won six awards and was nominated for two others at the 86 MTV Video Music Awards, or VMAs. I personally believe that this is the best music video ever made. Ooh. That is a bold statement. It's really good. It's and so it, cool. And you it is really cool. And it's caught me off guard because now I'm blanking on every music video I've ever watched and can't think of <laughs> one to dispute that. It, it's got to be in the top 10. Maybe that's a conversation for another episode. Sure. But Take On Me uh, originated from, I'm going to probably slaughter these names, Paul Vakhtar and Magni Furlholman. Their previous band, Bridges, who first composed a number called The Juicy Fruit Song when they were 15 and 16 years old, respectively. And initially, the band felt the riff was too, like, pop-oriented. So the first version was more punky in an attempt to offset the the riff. And the first take of the song was inspired in part by Doors member Ray Manzarek and his almost mathematical but very melodic structured way of playing, as they quoted. Uh, Vakhtar considered the song too poppy for their intended dark style, Uh, but the other guy, Magni, recalled thinking that it was quite catchy. So early on, they kind of knew they had a hit, but they didn't have a good way of presenting it, which is why there were so many introductions of it. And then I wanted to note here that after, you know, soon after that, the band Bridges disbanded and the two of them relocated to London to try their hand in the music industry there. But they returned to Norway after about six months of disappointment, (laughs) which I thought was kind of an interesting point because they didn't really give up. I mean, it was only six months. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not very long. It's it's interesting because... You know, sometimes you, we see stuff like this where different artists and stuff that go on to be massively popular, um, they just, yeah, early on, it's just like, ah, eh, you just can't quite, can't quite find your spot until you get the right combination of factors that hit and suddenly you're huge. Then you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, and maybe it's actually for the best because after they returned to Norway, they were joined by one of their other school friends into the band. And when he heard the song, he said the keyboard riff had the character of a universal hit sound. And so the three of them began working on demos, which included a new version of the song that they renamed Lesson One, before it then evolved into Take On Me. 
So in 19, January of 1983, the band returned to London in search of a recording contract, and they intended to uh, the song to show off the new guy, uh, Morton, his vocal range, which led to his vocals kind of doing the spiraling thing. So it's, uh, I mean, it's a very impressive range. And and I don't know that there are many male singers that can really hit those notes. I certainly can't. The uh, the uh, song no. itself, uh, uh, I, I you know I, I think I can do okay, but that I can't. I don't know that range. He covers two two and a half full octaves in wow in this song, which is nuts. That is nuts. Uh, I will also add that the song's popularity has resulted in tributes and mostly visual parodies since its release, including one that became very popular in season four of Family Guy, where an animated hand reaches out from inside the grocery store and invites Chris in and then pulls him in as the song's intro starts to play. And once he's inside the animated pencil world, the the group leader of AHA, Morton, sings the chorus and like in the music video, two men are chasing them both. And then when Chris and Morton start running away from them to a dead end, Chris, Chris pushes against the wall and crashes behind a tray of eggs and just kind of reappears in the grocery store. Did you know they made a sequel to this video? I did not know that. Yeah, so they took another sing- a single from after the you know massive popularity of the of the video for this. Mm-hmm. They took another one of the singles from that album, "Hunting High and Low," called mm-hmm. "The Sun Always Shines on TV," and then the music video. Uh, they just kind of start. It's following these same characters that were in the "Take on Me" music video. I don't think this song's any good, <laughs> but it is interesting. That they're like, oh, we're going to make a sequel to the video. It's not nearly as good of a music video either, but, uh, but you know, they tried something. Oh, uh, I was going to mention, because you already had one Michigan shout out, the song also appeared in the 1997 film Gross Point Blank, which was based in Michigan. Gross Point. And I... beyond, I was going to add one more, sorry. The song has hundreds of covers. Oh, yeah. Uh, and including oh, yeah. my personal favorite, which is Real Big Fish's cover of this yeah, song. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably the most notable one. There are a couple other notable ones, though. Weezer. Sure. Weezer did a cover of it. And Ooh. Mark Martell, who is uh, somebody who became famous as a Freddie Mercury imitator. He has a very distinct voice that sounds almost, almost identical to Freddie Mercury. It's, it's a little bit scary. Look him up if you don't know who he is. Mark Martell. Mark with a C. And the last one I'll mention is the acapella group, the Pentatonics, uh, because they're pretty popular for a few years there. They're the Canadian acapella group. And it was also included in the four chord song, which is a medley of just four chord songs, where the singer in that one, his name's Benny, he does attempt to hit the high notes from from uh take on me and i think he does so in pretty spectacular fashion i was pleasantly surprised it it is tough i think he starts to push his limits right at the end but it's pretty close it's way better than i can do so i give him credit for trying it sounded pretty good 
Yeah, um, what I found here, the cover, the cover count is uh, 188, which is wild. That is a lot. Pretty fantastic song, though. I definitely get why it's your number one. For me, I didn't grow up in the 80s, but this song was introduced to me at such a young age, and and I've listened to it so many times. I don't know that there's a time that it comes up where I don't just continue to listen to it start to finish, and in some cases look up other versions of it and just listen to them. I probably listened to the real Big Fish one just as many times as this one. So, Take on me. Take me. Uh, last, last detail here that I have. Um, it was only ever the fifth YouTube music video to hit a billion views. Wow. Did not know that. That is a lot like of 2019, I think, I got there. Does Rick Astley have more views than that? Never going to give you up? I don't know. That'd be something worth looking at later. Anyway, that was... Not on my, not on my list, but that song is legit good. Never going to give you up. It's legit a great song. Well, yeah, his in voice is incredible. And he's done covers of other songs since then, but we're kind of getting off topic, so I digress. What is your number four? My number four is not as good as Take On Me, for sure. Uh, but... It's Agreed. still a pretty fun song. I'm talking about 8675309 slash Jenny by the band Tommy Two Tone in 1981. You know it exactly. You know it immediately. That's it's, no, it's I don't. What, what song is this? You see, it's about a girl named Jenny and her phone number. Oh, which is 8675309. Hold on, I know it, Jenny. Oh wait, no, that's not right. Never mind. So this is another one, um, like unlike uh, Aha, which is, you know, they they went on to have huge success in Europe and and you know well past this song, but they only ever really caught on here with Take on Me. A six seven five three zero nine is the only successful song that Tommy Two Tone ever had. It they they really did not accomplish much anything else you feel like you see that happen a lot in the we saw this happen a lot in the 80s more so than almost really any other kind of decade going into making this list in fact i kind of expected my list to end up being almost all 80s songs and Mm -hmm. it didn't actually it ended up being a pretty uh, i had a lot of 80s and 70s on the list but you just i feel like you really saw this happen a lot in the 80s of just bands that are like yep they got going for one song and then just Never really had anything else come together. <laughs> so, if you're not familiar with this song, the singer is singing about the, you know this girl uh, that he this, is her uh, name Jenny. Yeah, her name is uh, her name is Jenny. Uh, he sees the thing written on the like bathroom wall or something with the, with the phone number, uh, and so he's like imagining her. The band has a lot of different stories as to the origin. Like, I feel like every member of the band has like told a different story about like who Jenny is and how they came up with the song and everything. Nice. But uh, the co-writer of the song, Alex Call, who's not actually a member of the band, uh, claims that they both made up both the number and Jenny as a person. So probably didn't actually exist ever. Okay, I did not know that, but I feel like it adds to the 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 mysticism and sure. It's just kind of an interesting way of doing it. 
the like I I legit the this song's super catchy. It's very fun to listen to. Um, I I enjoy it all the way through. Uh, but I think the most interesting, historically looking at this uh, detail, looking at this song, is because they just straight up use a phone number in here. This created a huge fad of people calling the number and just basically ruined a lot of people's uh, phone numbers because it doesn't have an area code on the front, right? A six seven five three zero nine. So this could be any number of phone numbers across the United States. And everyone, when the song was popular in in the early '80s, everybody just starts calling this phone number and and either do prank calls or just see who is going to answer and everything. And so, just out of nowhere, you have these stories of people are just like, just all of a sudden, I just started getting like dozens of phone calls every day, and it's just <laughs> like this family in Ohio or something, you know. <laughs> well, back then, you really didn't have to dial the area code, right? So it's just everybody around the world is like around the country at least was probably multiple versions of this phone number right oh yeah so this is hitting this is impacting people in probably every area code in the country right as as different this just number is just getting called over and over again for the people who actually ended up having it yeah i would i would try probably just change my number at that point and and a lot of people did um this the this kind of led to this song kind of led to this number mostly being a dead phone number in most area codes that being said, a number of businesses have used the number for stunt marketing campaigns since then. Well, that's uh, smart. So you get like, hey, you know, it's like, oh, call eight six seven five three zero nine. You know, like the like the song, you can remember it. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting. I think and it speaks to you how catchy this song is that you can remember specifically what the numbers are if you know the song well at all. Eight six seven five three zero nine. It's just it's it's interesting. Not not a lot of songs have had a chorus that is numbers, <laughs> just like a phone number, you know. Only or, one immediately comes to mind, and the only reason I know is because it was covered on the movie Blues Brothers Two Thousand. Oh boy! From a scene where there's a call center for guys who are feeling lonely they can call ed's love exchange and i believe the number was six three four five seven eight nine six three four five seven eight nine yep i don't think that's as sketchy no it's really not but it's the only other one that i can immediately think of no i'm making our list no I, i will add one more because it's it just came to me it was early 2000s there was a rapper who i believe his name was mike jones who mike, oh, I know jones. mike jones 281-330-8004 oh my gosh i think that's what it is i don't i don't know 100 percent for sure but i believe that's actually what it is don't don't know why i know that i do know why i know that it's it's a part of me always enjoyed rap during that era but that's a different time one thing that i uh uh, found interesting they there is a business as recently as like 2013 that was in florida that was still trying to use this number as a legitimate number as like a real estate agency or something weird how real estate's coming up multiple times this i was gonna say is Um, it by a realtor (laughs) named sharona (laughs) no because i think she was operating out of california and this is in florida 
Okay. Um, but yeah, they were still using that, at least at that time. I don't know about now, but I'm um, still using that number. And they're saying they still still get like dozens of prank calls every week. Jeez. People are still, or at least as of 2013, still uh, still dialing this number. Speaks to the longevity of this one song from the band Tommy Two-Tone. Popular song. People get inebriated. Listen to it. Haha, <laughs> we should call that number. And then just, why not, right? Uh, also, one last thing that I thought was interesting I didn't know. Tommy Two-Tone, not a real person, not the name of anyone in the band. Oh. <laughs> uh, lead, singer's name, lead singer's name, Tommy Heath. Oh. So they decided to name the band Tommy Two-Tone. Interesting. It's the alliteration, you know, gives it a little bit of oomph. It's a good name. Oh, the cover count for this song is only 25, by the way. Yeah. Low, lowest on my top five, certainly. It is not the lowest on mine. In fact, the next song on my list also has 25 covers. All right, what you got? What's your number three? Sure. Number three is the song The Reason by Hoobastank. Okay, right off the bat here. I, my gut says... Yeah. So thinking about this, as I hear Hoobastank, my gut says, oh, no way Hoobastank's a one-hit wonder. But I've realized multiple times in researching this episode that I was, like, wildly wrong on this. So I, that, you know, very, I'm sure you've done the research and vetted that, but my my heart says, as someone who was in middle school in, uh, in the early 2000s when this specific song was out, uh, that no way Hoobastank's a one-hit wonder. <laughs> I mean, my research has told me it is, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm sure you're right, but I'm just telling you that's like my heart reaction. Like I had the same reactions about reaction about Fountains of Wayne. I saw I was doing the research and saw people saying like, "Oh yeah, Stacy's mom is one of the best one hit wonders." And I'm like, "Fountains of Wayne's not a one hit wonder. They had other good songs." And then I went and looked it up and was like, "Oh, nothing else ever really took off for them." So I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, it was in included in multiple lists that I looked up of one-hit wonders from different eras. So I'm going to say, at least by my understanding, it is in fact a one-hit wonder. I struggle to think of another song that charted. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to contest its validity on this list. I'm just saying this is, the, this is my gut reaction. Okay, yeah, no problem. I'm, I totally get that. And there were a couple of them that I also felt that way about as I was just doing the research. But it is, in fact, a one-hit wonder. So, some key facts about this one. It was released in January of 2004. It was the second single from the studio album of the same name, The Reason. It debuted on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 at 62, and it became that week's Hot Shot debut. And it reached its peak of number two, never number one, after 13 more weeks on the listing. Though it remained on the chart for 38 issues, it was their last Hot 100 hit. The, the single, it peaked atop the Billboard adult pop songs, modern rock tracks, and mainstream top 40 charts, but never the Billboard Hot 100. 
Also of note, in Canada, it topped the radio and record CHR, pop, hot, AC, and rock charts. A lot of different random charts that apparently are available that I mostly don't know about any of. I, I'll, I guess I will also add that in Europe, it reached number one on Italian and UK charts for two weeks and top 10 in several other countries. Uh, but for me, when, when it comes to this song, it's, it's really the music video that stands out. So because this song was 2004, you know, right around like middle school, high school is really when it became popular. I remember also burning this one onto a CD and I still have the CD that it's on. And, oh, wow. in, and in fact, it is the number one song on the CD. And there was a time when other people were asking me for burned CDs as well. And sometimes when they wouldn't give me a list, I would just throw songs on there. This was one that I often included. Scott's an Ill- illegitimate music dealer. <clears throat> Allegedly. <clears throat> so for me, the music video really stands out. Uh, it was directed by Brett Simon, who also directed several other well-known music videos like somebody told me by the killers the chronicles of life and death by good charlotte Uh, it's not your fault by newfound glory and audience of one by rise against also a good song right but in this one in particular the band stages a a diversion so that they can carry out an elaborate heist of a ruby like kind of random so we don't know that at first there's kind of like an unfolding of secrets a little at a time throughout the video and we we learn more as more action takes place and the further we get into the song so at the beginning of the song a woman is hit by a car by somebody in the band and it turns out that was part of it as to be the diversion And at the end of the video, she gets up like she's perfectly fine and she rides off on a motorcycle. And the guy that owns the pawn shop that was the target of the heist was standing there realizing that she's getting up and like, what? What's going on? And then he realized that maybe there's something fishy. So as they're admiring their, their prize, you hear police sirens and the video starts to fade out which, uh, I don't know, it's just really clever. I thought it was fun. I really liked the song. And, you know, in those 14, 15-year-old time frame, having something that even sounds vaguely meaningful, it, it just really struck a chord with me. So I've probably listened to this song hundreds of times throughout my life. Most notably yesterday. <laughs> wow, look at that. Uh, my anecdote about the reason. Like I said, um, this is the song was popular when I was in middle school, and our gym teacher had this on a playlist that he would play when we were running. Nice for gym class, and so I not a great running song at the time. Hated running. <laughs> Let me tell you what I still hate running, and so this song is permanently tied to the act of running for me. Hmm. So I have a very negative association with it in my brain. The song itself is, I think, fine. I don't particularly love it or hate it or anything like that. Um, 
but it is permanently tied to the act of running in my brain, which I may be the only person in the world that's true for. Oh, everybody else <laughs> in your gym class, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's unfortunate because such a negative association to such a, a good song. Just a, just really strong. I, I do have another factoid about uh, the song and the band. Uh, yes. Did you know that Hoobastank is one of the dumbest band names of all time? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's not really great. Dumb. It, I don't, I don't know if it's better or worse than Foo Fighters. I think Dave Grohl would tell you it's it's probably just as bad. Yeah, uh, Foo Fighters also not a great name. Better band though. I, true. I will add this is something I didn't know, but I learned while I was researching. They have another music video. The song is called "Same Direction." I don't know that I've ever heard this song. I I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. Uh, much lesser known, and it was intended to be both a prequel and a sequel to wow. the video for the reason. So it, it gives further details about the band members' roles in the heist, as well as showing some of the trouble that they bring down on themselves in the aftermath of of stealing the gem. It's kind of interesting. I, I will say that even having read that fact, I didn't bother go to go to look it up and watch that video so i'll probably get to that here relatively soon but much like the real estate factoids um it's weird that multiple times on this list music videos with sequels have come up because prior to this the uh, take on me sequel video is the only music video sequel that i am was aware of oh well then you're obviously not familiar with r kelly's super drama saga about the closet i i'm aware of that existing as never an r kelly fan when even before he was a wildly problematic figure um but no, it's, it's I, I ridiculous guess, i guess it makes sense that there were videos associated with those but i did not know that sure for and sure you wouldn't know this either because you don't appreciate them like i do but fallout boy also has several videos that have sequels and uh several other bands that yeah. i enjoy also have sequels i know for a fact that scott band... we're, we're we're talking about good songs here come on oh okay well then we're definitely not talking about bands that you like which i am drawing a blank on and want to insult you but i won't panic at the disco has three a three song music video uh, that includes the emperor's new clothes and saturday night and this is gospel i think is the third one anyway yeah fantastic I, I, high school I mean, scott was way into pop punk <clears throat> now scott might also still be listening to all of those songs that's uh, true but like you were you were embracing the lifestyle at the time oh yeah for sure for sure you were all the way bought in i think your wife would agree with me but anyway the last thing i'll say about this is the song has 25 covers as i alluded to but it, that includes a really terrible kids bop cover i don't know that there's a <laughs> single kids bop cover that's good but this one in particular, like, ugh, like, ugh, it just gives me like, ugh, really grungy feelings. Now, so, now I have to ask: Is this kid's bop or is this kid's pop? Bop with a B. Okay. Kids bop. Okay. Because because both both exist and both kids with a have Z committed very many crimes. Kids with a Z and bop, as in Bravo. There's a kid's pop cover of the song Hot in Here by Nelly, and if that sounds like a war crime to you, it is. That's, that just sounds real bad. I just, there are so many songs that 
I don't understand why they let kids cover them. It's like, did you listen to the lyrics? Do you know what this song is about? Oh, Blurred Lines? Yeah, go ahead and let kids sing about that. All right. Do not. That seems real positive messaging for the next Don't let generation. Robin Thicke sing about that. Don't let anyone sing about that. That's just... <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm getting all... Whatever. Can we move on to your number three? <laughs> My number three is an entirely not problematic song as far as I know. Um, we're Here talking we about uh, Somebody That I Used To Know by uh, Godier and featuring Kimbra from 2012. Alert, alert. This song is, is on my uh, 7 through 10. I believe that it is my number 8. Yes, it is. Gotcha. Hey, I, I really love this song. It's so good. So... I know a lot of people's relationship to this song is came out in 2012 and was wildly overplayed on the radio and and whatnot at the time. And so a lot of people got very, very sick of it. I've never been a radio person. I purposefully avoid the radio. I guess like who even listens to the radio anymore, right? People do Spotify and all kinds of stuff, but, um, and have a more curated listening experience, but I was never really a radio person. So I didn't have that experience with it. I, came to the song kind of late like that uh, several months after it came out after a lot of people were kind of already done with it and I went hey this is really good I like this song a lot so that's that's more of my relationship to it it's just just really really enjoying the song and not really having that overplayed experience that a lot of people might associate with it it is super uh, catchy and the music the video was also very bad. played no the, the music video was also played constantly on at VH1, I believe at the time, or yeah, I, TV. I, I, I did have stuff about the music video in here. Um, not a ton of detail, just because like I don't think it's like the greatest music video in the world, but it's neat. I think it's a neat video. Uh, there's a lot of like body paint stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, then the singers becoming and more painted as the over the course of the song. Who doesn't love almost male nudity? Almost male nudity can be all right. Ooh, that, um, maybe that's the name of our band almost male oh, nudity yeah, absolutely it's kind of like bare naked ladies but worse <laughs> yeah but maybe we would be good um, oh no, hold bare, on bare na- naked can be okay bare naked ladies have some all right songs i'm just i'm i'm dunking on them how <laughs> dare you i have to have one of those sequences like they had on community where everybody starts to defend the bare naked ladies just fervently it's real real aggressive Pinch Me is a great song. It's um, interesting that's the one you go to. Anyway, sorry. Know, you, go you, ahead. you would think One Week, which is also pretty good, but Pinch Me is a great song. Anyway, uh, it's a cool music video, uh, <laughs> but uh, not like the greatest one ever or anything. Uh, interesting thing, there's something I found interesting. So Godier is native to Australia, uh, born there. Um, he is Belgian-Australian. This song is from his third album, and he had had some some moderate success. It was never really huge in Australia, but had some moderate success here. And then this is his one and only song to ever really do anything outside of Australia. Um, and, you know, number one everywhere, you know, absolutely massive hit. Very, very popular. I, th- um, I thought it was interesting that he is only the fifth Australian to ever hit number one on the U.S. Uh, Billboard chart. And only the second ever Belgian person. Hmm. I was not aware of that. Kind of weird. So, 
Yeah, this so this is his this is from his third album, which is also his most recent album. Uh, it came out in twenty twelve, and you know now it is twenty twenty two. I don't know if you had heard, but that was a decade ago. Hmm. So he has not done anything since then. Apparently, there's been rumblings that he's been talking about, like, oh, I'm going to put out a fourth album, but it hasn't happened yet. So kind of had this hit, and I imagine that he made a lot of money off of it. So he's probably been just fine. This song samples Seville by Louise Bonfa, which is an instrumental track from, uh, I want to say the 60s, uh, but I'm not familiar with that one, so, but I thought it was interesting. Did not know that it was, uh, was sampling something else. Uh, the female singer on the song is Kimbra, uh, who's a different artist from New Zealand. There's that other New Zealand reference I was talking about. Um, as far as I can tell, so that makes this kind of a double one-hit wonder because she has not had a major hit outside. That was going to be my next either. question. Yeah, what other kind of success has Kimbra had? Because I don't, much, I don't know who Kimbra out. is aside from on that song. She has like a guest spot on a I forget which song it was. I noticed that that um I think charted well in the United or not in the United States in Australia. Um, but really, like even her solo stuff, even within New Zealand or Australia, never doesn't look like it ever really caught on. I certainly couldn't tell you anything else she's done. But she's got a great voice. It's really good in the song. Agreed. Makes you wonder, how come you can never hear accents when people are singing? I think there's like actual science behind this, and I don't know what it is. But it's not necessarily true that you can never hear accents, because... Okay, fair, Like, you fair. go and listen... Like, like Arctic Monkeys, like... Uh, that dude has the accent all the way. <laughs> Arctic Monkeys. I thought we were talking about good bands. Arctic Monkeys is very good. Well, their first album's great. I'm not as much of a fan of their later stuff, but their, that first album. Anyway, that's my number three. What you got for number two? Oh, man. Number two. I, I am fairly certain that you know of this song, but I don't hmm. think you know this song. Hmm. Okay. My, my number two is by Casey and Jojo, and it is the song All My Life. Yeah, I do not know what that is. Fair enough. All My Life. I'll have to, I'll have to do the lesson here. Yeah, go, go take a quick peek at this. Apparently, All My Life is a movie from 2020. Okay, that I'm not familiar with, but the song is from 1997. There we go. All my life. It is a slower R&B ballad that most people probably in that era did not listen to. But somehow, and I can tell you exactly how this song came to me, it was on one of the now that's what i call music albums all right and it was either now one or two i believe i'm gonna say two but that's a guess my guy's got some white gloves on this music video and they are popping it it is just simple and I don't I don't know why it resonates with me as much as it does. It's just something about the song I want to belt it out and 
connect with it and not sing it to anyone in particular. It just, it feels really good to sing it. I don't know. Weird, right? I, I think I, I, I can say I certainly, you know, I'm not familiar with this song, but I've, I've had that kind of connection to other songs before where it's just like sometimes it just feels real good to sing a song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So some details about it. It's from the 1997 album Love Always. It was released to airplay in January of 1998. It debuted at 15, but it topped the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 for three consecutive weeks. And then it was also certified platinum in the U.S. Around the world, it did make top 10 lists in many, many countries, especially in Europe. And it achieved platinum in Australia and gold in Sweden. So kind of popular all over the world there for a while. Uh, Joel uh, from the band, also known as Jojo, initially wrote the song using his daughter as inspiration. And All My Life was originally written by Joel for a female artist on A&M Records, but ultimately he decided to keep the song. And it was nominated for multiple awards, including the 1999 Grammy Awards. All My Life was nominated for Best R&B Vocal Performance and Best R&B Song. Uh, Did not win. Could not tell you which one did win, but... And then finally, the video was nominated for Best R&B Video at the... 99 MTV Video Music Awards. So this song doesn't have as many covers. It's only been covered about 18 times since the 97 release. Uh, But something that I found interesting, that was from 1997. Most of the covers happened in the last about 15 years. Yeah, interesting. So there was a gap where really there was only one, maybe two covers for about 10 years. And then suddenly there's a bunch of them. I wonder if there's people who like enjoyed the song as a kid or something and like this was an important song to me as a kid now i want to do my own take on it oh my love i pray for someone like you i'm gonna edit I, out these clips of scott singing here and edit those over the music and we're gonna create our own cover Ah, uh, fantastic i do think it's a little weird that some of the lyrics are like I love you like a uh, love. What does he say? Um, love you like a mother. Love you like a father. Love you like a sister. Love you like a brother. Like just kind of a weird love connection there for somebody that is maybe um, more than a platonic love interest. But I don't know. That's not why I like the song. Like I said, it's not really about any one person to me. It's just about the song itself is super catchy and and kind of represents um, more of when I was growing up. It just kind of influenced me a little bit. I liked it. Maybe it's more of what he's trying to say is like, you know, our love is beyond like physical, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's what those, he meant. We got, those, we got those strong bonds, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's That's definitely what he, he meant, but I I also listened to this song uh, recently in the car, and I'm sure it was embarrassing sitting at traffic lights, really belting it out and having people look next to me, look nah, next say, to them and see me singing. Don't be embarrassed about singing in the car. Do that all the time. Live your best life. Thank you. I appreciate the support. 
but that's all I've got to say about this song. As much as I do love it. And the reason, I mean, it's number two because of just the, the connection I feel to it. It's something different. It's not just alt or pop or some eighties, super mega song. It's an R and B song. It's soulful. It's slow. It's kind of a, a love ballad, you know? And, and yet I relate to it and I like it. And I probably know all of the lyrics start to finish, except when I apparently try to relate to them. <laughs> but that being said, it just start to finish. I think it's a fantastic song. It's a, it's a wonder they didn't have any more songs because it seems like they had quite a bit of talent between the two of them, but oh well. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. As we've seen repeatedly on these lists. This is true. So, moving on, your number two. My number two, final item from my top six, since we already talked about my number one, take on me. We're going back to the 80s again, to 1982's Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Hmm. Going back to the well of songs about ladies that might be a little creepy. That is a weird theme for you to have. <laughs> I, listen, should listen, I be concerned? There's a lot of songs about ladies throughout the uh, uh, popular music of the United States and beyond. Mm. Like uh, this one's that uh, this is uh, Dexy Bender Anderson is in fact a British band. She was just 17, if you know what I mean. But the way she looked was way beyond compare. Uh, there are lyrics in this song that talk about how the uh, male lead singer. This is the first time he has seen. Uh, the uh, female object of the song for in a long time and talking about how she is hot now and how much she's grown and everything and it sounds fairly creepy that being said apparently it is supposed to be about like they were friends as kids and then hadn't seen each other for a while until they were adults and now he's like oh you're hot now so maybe a little less creepy than it sounds out of context but you know hmm music that's a lot of a lot of songs about how people are hot. Okay, so when we form our band, can we just agree that we won't sing about underage people? Like, just in that kind of way? Well, can certainly we... not in, certainly not about un- underage people being hot. Okay, yeah. Not in an inappropriate context. Can we just agree to that as a ground rule for yeah, our band? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so Dexy's Night Runners is uh, uh, a weird band name, and the place it comes from is it's named for drugs, hard drugs, as it turns out. Uh, Man, it's named cough, for cough drops is not hard drugs, but this one is. They're named for dexedrine, which is a variant on dextroamphetamine that the uh, band says gave you the energy to dance all night. Hence why they are the Dexies Midnight Runners. Wow. They are a band that started in the late 70s. Uh, they had their hit uh, with their second album, Come On Eileen, in 1982. There's another album off of that, another song off of that album that charted in the UK and didn't really do anything anywhere else. Since then, they have been active. They are still active today. They had a, a hiatus for a while. And part of the reason for their longevity is they just keep cycling people in and out of the band. Uh, I was shocked to learn that they have had 53 members of the band to date. Holy crap. Which is crazy. Uh, I think the only other band that I've seen have anywhere near that kind of numbers is uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, who have just had like a crazy amount of bad. Because there's so many members of like so many pieces, uh, instruments in Earth, Wind, and Fire that 
you gotta get a lot of people in there. You said fifty three. Fifty three. That m- might be as many as there have been in Blue Man Group. Wow. Mm. That might be more. No, it can't be more. There's got to be multiple Blue Men, right? No, it's just been the same. It's just it's one guy that they cloned multiple times, and it's just been him the whole time. Oh my gosh! I didn't know if you knew that. <sighs> anyway, you uh, just blew my mind. They uh, the intro to to come on Eileen is on, Eileen. kind of a, a, a fiddle bit, like a Celtic fiddle bit that is in, uh, based on the Irish folk song "Believe Me If All Those Endearing Young Charms," written by the poet Thomas Moore. I did. I did not know that. It's a. Uh, it's a really catchy song. Uh, they. It, I, one of the things I like about it is it's got like significant tempo changes that you don't get a lot in a lot of popular music. There's times where it like slows down significantly and like builds up again to a higher tempo. I think that's fun. I like songs that do that. Also worth noting, Eileen's not a real person. This is just a, a, a hypothetical situation that they've made up. Unlike. Sharona, Eileen, not a realtor. But yeah, it's a great song. If you don't know it, you should go listen to it. I am familiar with the song. I, I've definitely heard it start to finish, but the only part that sticks with me is "Come on, Eileen." Oh, I, oh, I swear, what yeah. he means. Dude's got a weird voice. Um, I don't recall the name of the lead singer. It is a weird. He's got a weird voice though, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I guess I was not um, aware of that. No, it's no, it's no take on me. No, it's it's legit. really not one of my one of my favorite songs ever. But come on, Eileen, very very good song. Oh my! At number two on my list. You're giving me something to think about. Well, we've got one left to cover. Yes, my final pick. And your uh, number one, my number one. Is it as good as Take On Me? I think not. No, no, it's better. You might surprise me. Well, you it, might surprise me. No, I you're not going to have the same connection to this song as I do because of the nature of the way you were raised. But this song is absolutely fantastic. And it is the first one that I thought of when I thought of this list, even ahead of Take On Me. And I wrote it down, and I immediately put a number one next to it. Nothing took it out of that spot. Because it is my one of my favorite songs of all time, let alone the fact that it's a one-hit wonder. That song is Baby Shark. It is. No, it's not. My number one song is Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. Oh, man. Okay. I love this song for so many reasons. And I find that it's one of those songs that there are certain people in our age range that have heard this song. And if it's one that you remember and really, really like and have a connection to, you and I are probably going to get along. It's just something about that song that I find the right people just enjoy it as well. I've heard covers of it in bars and just randomly playing during restaurants like while i'm eating dinner and if i notice somebody else enjoying it and i spark up a conversation with them that song is a great starting point every single time so that being said 
there's a lot to say about this song for me. It's from the 1997 album Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone? It peaked at 38 on US Billboard's Hot 100 Airplay, so not even a number one song or even a top 10 is 38, not, not super high. But it was three on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks and nine on the Canadian RPM Alternative 30. So it did hit a little bit higher on a couple alt boards or modern rock boards. According to the drummer Evan Salt, the song was written as a response to the Seattle music scene of the 90s and its effect on mainstream culture. The title of the song was inspired by the 1930 Marx Brothers film Animal Crackers, which features a line of dialogue about the pole-sitting fad of the 1920s. Which I did not know until I did research on this. So that was something new. So after some radio play, the song gained further exposure when it was used as the music in theatrical trailers and TV spots for the 1998 film Disturbing Behavior, which was a movie with James Marsden, Katie Holmes, Nick Stahl. So a couple of big names. And Rolling Stone ranked it the song, they ranked the song the 25th best of the 1990s. So pretty good praise from Rolling Stone. Some of you might know it from a couple other random places. Uh, For example, the song was included on the soundtrack of Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. (laughs) Obviously a pretty good movie. And the song has, I don't know, about a dozen covers, really not a ton. But my favorite which I actually know about, is by the band Chiodos, which is also a Michigan oh, band yeah. from yeah. Dav- Davison, Michigan. Yeah, I appreciate that one of my favorite bands of all time, Chiodos, covered this song, and it's a pretty good version. Like, It's not exactly the same as the original, but it's, it's pretty darn good. I like it a lot. I don't like it better than the original, but I like it a lot, and I don't mind listening to that version every once in a while. Craig Owens, he did a pretty nice job. Uh, Weird Al also included it in Power Polka, which is one of his polka songs. So if it made it into a Weird Al mix, you know it's good. Every song ever parodied by Weird Al is a good song. Otherwise, why did you do it? It's hard to argue with that logic. I'm sure I can think of examples of that. But anyway, some of you may also be familiar with the famous YouTube video of an office lip dub where this song was featured where people are there's it features one woman singing the song from the beginning like playing the song in her in her headset and just kind of lip dubbing or lip syncing to it and as she's singing the song it kind of goes around the office and suddenly there are a bunch of random people just kind of popping out of nowhere also singing along to the song, and it just takes you on this trip around the entire office area. And for those of you who don't know, it's at the company Connected Ventures, which is the company behind College Humor and Vimeo. They're the ones that created this kind of super famous lip dub. And that lip dub also kind of spawned its own thing where people suddenly did a ton of different lip dubs, but that was the original. That song was the first one to be featured on it. So I think that's a pretty notable thing. Um, Mm. It also inspired me to come up with a lip dub. And so we did one for another song 
uh, and kind of toured around the house that I was living in at the time. It featured a bunch of my friends. I mean, we probably had 25 people in this video and just different parts kind of touring around the house we were living in and featuring different things and different people involved. And it was a lot of fun, really good memory. But that one was to Jumper, I think, was the song. Anyway. This is a better song than Jumper. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So I know this song start to finish. I listen to it fairly frequently. I definitely one of my top songs of all time. And I'm I'm happy to put it as number one. And I'm sure anyone else who really enjoys this song would probably get along with me very well. So I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have us. I don't have a super close uh, connection to this song, but I, um, I will say for it, it's one of those ones where it's like, if it comes out, I'll be like, Oh yeah, that song's pretty good. I'm not going to shut it off. Probably. Well, I appreciate that. I would say it's definitely better than aha. Take on me, but you know, that's, that's a conversation that I think we're coming up to here shortly. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I'll I'll hold off the arguments on that for now because we're not quite there yet. We're mm. not at that segment quite yet. So that's it. That's my number one, and it it wasn't even a question for me. Like I said, I knew from the beginning this was going to be on my list and at number one, and happy to include it and talk about it. And if we want me to sing the whole thing, well, you're gonna have to wait for the bonus features. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be Patreon bonus content if we ever make a Patreon. No promises. Mm. <laughs> Man, that is is not something anybody wants to hear. Trust me, I do not sing well, and you will not enjoy it. Despite what you might be telling yourself right now, I promise you, you will not enjoy it. Just ask anyone who's ever heard me sing in my family. Anyway, I don't know if I've heard you sing much. It's probably because I suck at it, <laughs> or the music's too loud, and so you can't really hear what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe. I'm more of a rapper. No, anyway, keep going. <laughs> All right, well, that covers everything on our uh, top six. We are going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we are going to cover uh, quickly our seven through tens, any honorable mentions we might have before we get down to it and argue over which songs belong on the unified top ten list. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. If you made it this far, then you're probably enjoying yourself. I mean, at least a little. In that case, an honest rating or review or just simply referring a friend would go a super long way to help get the word out about this podcast. Not that we expect it to become amazingly popular or anything. But thank you again for listening. And now we're going to move on to phase two, where we briefly go over the remainder of our personal top 10. Also, probably a few honorable mentions, and then get into the ranking discussion. So let's do it. Here we go. Why don't we start with your number seven? Sure. You want me to just speed run seven through 10 here real quick? Yeah, sure. All right. 
My number seven is The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. Good song. I'm sure you are familiar with this song, yeah? Yeah, that's very uh, not, good. Not much to say about it. I would say it's just super popular kind of in that 90s era and um, something I listen to a lot, still listen to occasionally. But it did get overplayed for me for a while, so I stopped listening. Uh, number eight was Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier, so we already covered that one. Number nine is What It's Like by Everlast. So this song was introduced to me by my dad. Fun fact about this one, the lead singer... Uh, of Everlast is the same singer as the band House of Pain. So Everlast oh. is the spin-off of House of Pain, and House of Pain is also a one-hit wonder with the song Jump Around. Jump, 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 jump. Anyway, what it's like, fantastic song about putting yourself in someone else's shoes and trying to empathize a little bit and I think there's a lot of strong wording i think he uses during this song just to get his point across but it's a pretty powerful song and i really enjoy it so happy that my dad showed it to me and never heard it yeah uh, that's a little surprising the final song on my top 10 is epic by faith no more oh no i love this song oh this song sucks ah can you feel it see it today if you can't then it doesn't I, matter anyway i just will I, never I just understand don't like faith no more at so all fast. and it feels so good it's like walking on glass that's like that's like 90s era like that specific type of 90s <laughs> music that just i never connected with it's so cool it's so hip it's all right it's so groovy it's out of sight you can touch it smell it taste it so sweet but it makes no difference because it knocked you off the feet. You light it up. At least, uh, at least it's your number 10. All right. All right. <laughs> We're going, I'm going to oh, come on. Go. What's wrong with that song? That We're song's great. Back the raids. I don't like that song at all. Uh, okay. Well, I've got some honorable it's, mentions. Guess, Let's go through guess, your 7 through 10 yeah. first, and we can. Okay. All right. Uh, my 7 through 10, we're going to start with number 7, is Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by the band Looking Glass, 1972. It is a really good song. It's really good. Uh, it's the nice chill, chill beat. That is uh, one of my wife's go-to karaoke songs. It's also she's pretty good at singing it. Well, that's good because I'm not. It's also, <laughs> I think, been reestablished as a popular song as a result of Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. And in the second one, yeah, it was I the second say? move. Yeah, because okay. it was specifically about the relationship of um, with his mom. And right. yeah. Anyway. Right. Uh, number eight, as we already mentioned, Stacy's Mom, Fountains of Wayne. Uh, number nine is uh, Black Betty by Ram Jam. Uh, just to quickly mention aside here, I didn't know that this was traditionally, this is uh, originally not by Ram Jam. This is a, a black work song originally. Uh, and the word, the phrase Black Betty, no one's 100% sure, but it might refer to a bottle of whiskey, a whip, or a paddy wagon. And then number 10 is She Blinded Me with Science by Thomas Dolby from 1982. Uh, one thing I did want to mention about that song real quick, because I thought this was super interesting, and the only time I've ever heard of this happening, they, uh, the band uh, planned and storyboarded the whole music video and then wrote the song to match that. Huh. It's a cool, it's a fun, goofy little video. Uh, yeah, no, I'm familiar. I, but... I did not know that. 
and the guy in the video who goes science is an actual scientist uh, Magnus Pike which is a good scientist name. That is a great scientist name. Is he like oh, yeah, that's, Norwegian uh, or something? That seems like no. Nah, he's British. Uh, yeah, well. He's British. He's a scientist and television presenter. That's a name that I feel like we don't use often enough here in the U.S. Magnus. It's a powerful name, indeed. Like Magnus Carlson, famous chess grandmaster, world champion. Anyway, keep going. I've heard of him. Uh, but yeah, that's my seven through ten. So why don't we uh, jump back over to you for your honorable mentions Guns yeah i mean there are so so many songs i think i told oh, yeah. you probably like 35 or 36 that i considered um there were f- about five that i would say were close to making it in my top 10 and so i'll just kind of round it out with those and then just hit a few others um black betty by ram jam was probably number 11 for me so real close i think you know as that's your great. number nine yeah, it's a great song great, i mean great solo and then Little Talks by Of Monsters and Men. Really, really like that song. Feel It Still by Portugal the Man. Uh, I was at a bar recently where they were performing, uh, a live band was performing, and they covered this song. And I'm like, how do they know this song? This is fantastic. The, the band itself seemed like it was composed of primarily much older people, and that's a relatively new song. So I was surprised to hear them play it, but they did a great job. I was really happy. Nice. Uh, Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. I smell sex and candy. Yeah. I don't know that one. Another 90s song. Fantastic. And The Proclaimers, I'm Gonna Be. 500 Miles, yeah. I'm Gonna Be the of one. Of course. Okay, yeah. Uh, a couple of other random ones that I just, like, as I was going through this process, these are ones that happened to come into mind. What is Love by Hathaway. Du Hast by Rammstein, Mambo Number no. Five. I mean, let me skip through The Freshman by The Verve Pipe, and uh, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. Two different bands. Don't get hey, that song. Up. Also sucks. Okay, Baby Got Back <laughs> by Sir Mix a Lot. Uh, Sandstorm Da Rude. Uh, what does the fox say? Just kind of like a funny song. Um, That's a goofy one. Gangnam Style. Uh, What's Up by Four Non Blondes kind of came up. I did also think of Funky Town by Lips Inc., so that's a good one. And then Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. And let me think. Oh, Wipeout by the Surfaris and Kung Fu Fighting. And then also play that funky music. So a couple of couple of key ones that I think were on here that we didn't really get to. Yeah, my uh my honorable mentions uh features some of the ones that you just mentioned. Um I'm just going to burn through them real quick and I'm doing these in order um starting with uh, in, in order of chronology starting with 1963's Wipeout um like you mentioned. Wipeout. Uh, hooked on a Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede, which I recently mm. learned is not the original people who performed that song. That's a cover. Mm-hmm. That version's good. Uh, Kung Fu Great Fighting song. by Carl Douglas. Uh, Tainted Love by Soft Cell, also a cover. Did not realize that. Great song. Uh, Pac- Pac-Man Fever by Buckner and Garcia. Pac-Man Fever. 99 <laughs> Luftballons by Nana. Oh yeah, great song. Uh, you Spin Me Round by Dead or Alive. Walking mm. on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. Uh, you mentioned Funky Town. Uh, Just a Friend by Biz Marquis. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> that song's uh, so funny. But oh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Bismarcky. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you mentioned What is Love and Mambo Number no. 5, and you also mentioned The Freshman, which is a song that I mostly have on here. I think that song's okay, but I have to mention it because I'm related to the lead singer. Oh, really? Yeah, he's my mom's cousin. What? Brian Vander Ark, yeah. Oh, can you introduce me? No, I don't know him. I've never met him, but I'm related to him, so I gotta bring it up. Oh, come on. You can't just say that. <laughs> oh, I'm related sure. to it. I am. It's my mom's cousin. She knows him. She's met him. Okay, well, let me rephrase that. Could she introduce him to me and possibly a couple other people? Uh, I don't know that she's talked to him in like decades, but you know. Okay, we need to rekindle that relationship because <laughs> this would be an it's a, am- it's amazing a song. I know somebody who loves that song. Really? Yeah, wow. Like that was one of the first songs they learned how to play on guitar. And they have a very visceral reaction to any time it comes up. It just like they become emotional. So if it's I could very nineties, if I could gift that person this song or this introduction, man, I would be like, holy crap. How did Scott pull this off? Spoiler alert. It's my father-in-law and I would gain a ton of favor if I oh, did really? this. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. Amazing. Well, I can't make any promises. All right. Promise made. Let's figure it out. All right. Uh, I do also have one dishonorable mention on the list because, Uh-oh. pardon my French, this song is f***ing terrible. I'm going to bleep that out. <laughs> but it's terrible. I hate it so much. It's uh, oh, God. Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Okay. I, I was worried about what this song might be. Yeah, it's uh, such a dumb song. I, it's like, a really dumb song. You meet someone, you got nothing in common except for... The fact that you watched that movie one time, like, and you both kind of liked it. Yeah, what the hell is that? It's really bad. It's catchy though. It is a catchy song. I don't like it, but it is catchy. Yeah. I anyway, what dishonorable mention. Breakfast those are Tiffany's. those are the lists. I... See, I, when I first heard the song, I thought it was. I didn't realize it was about a movie. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just about eating breakfast at some place, some diner or something named Tiffany's. I don't know. And that might have been preferable. Seen the original movie. Maybe that's why I don't like it, because you need to have watched the movie to like no. make the whole thing make sense. No, I, I've seen the movie, and I don't know. I, maybe I just don't have an appreciation for really like older theater, but I just didn't enjoy it. I, it was kind of lacking, in my opinion. Maybe I need to rewatch it under a different lens, but my, my first time watching it, my memory says, yeah, just okay, not great. Four out of ten. Bad song and a bad movie, apparently. All right. Uh, so that's honorable mentions and a dishonorable mention. Let's get down to it. We have a list to rank here. So let's start hashing it out. I yes. am going to put together. Now, all right. I'm just going to throw this out here. Number one, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Nope. No, 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 I'm gonna hard veto that and say oh. absolutely not. Number two, then number two, it is okay, perfect. So in the Google Doc that we use to keep track of these things, um, it's very professional. Absolutely, I'm gonna move over all of our top fives, and we're gonna see. Well, hold on, so we have that duplicate in the top five, um which is Take On Me. So I'll remove that, and I'm going to move our top sixes over here as well. And then I'm just going to do a very quick summary of the items that are on the list that we're going to be arguing over. Now, our seven through tens could make this list, but for now, usually it's just going to be items from that top five or six. 
So we've got uh, Take On Me, Come On Eileen, somebody that I used to know, 8675309 slash Jenny, My Sharona, Flagpole Sitta, All My Life, The Reason, No Rain, Stacy's Mom, and Play That Funky Music. Mm, that is not the final order. I'm just going to throw no, that out there. No, absolutely not. Definitely I, not the final order, 100%. I, yeah. I, so I will say Take On Me definitely is a combined top five. I mean, I had it as number four. You had it at number one, I think. I think we pretty safely say that's going to be up it, there. Yes. I don't know that I'm going to I'm ready to put it at number 1, but I'm okay with keeping well, it in. Oh. Uh no, position not final. Okay. Um how do we feel about the other items that were duplicate um on our top 10s at least? Yeah, which were somebody that I used to know and Stacy's mom. mom. So somebody that I used to know is your three and my eight. Mm-hmm. It's probably got to go up there pretty high. And your eight was Stacy's mom. My five was Stacy's mom. I, I think you know that being said, there's a kind of a good reason to throw it into the top five as well. I, you know, if we throw these around like four and five for now. That's exactly what I was thinking. All right, cool. See, the problem that I'm having right now is music in general. I feel like it evokes certain feelings based on when you were introduced to the song, what your connection is to it. I mean, how do I compare my Sharona to No Rain to play that funky music, White Boy? Like, it's not even kind of in the same ballpark. It's just the fact that they're one hit wonders and you know, how sure. do I, how do I discern them? I'll get where you're coming from and all this stuff is subjective, but we are professional rankers and no one is more equipped to do this than us. Yeah. We should probably find some kind of a sequence to put it in, even if it feels kind of stupid, but um, tish, okay. I think <laughs> of your list here. Yeah. What do you got? Flagpole Sitta is your number one. Yes. With a bullet. Um, I definitely don't have the same personal connection to you, but I will definitely say it's a good song. I think it's pretty good. So I am comfortable having it in the top five as a result, because I know that you are going to fight for it. Yeah, I am. I, I really want to put it as number one overall, because it's not even a question for me. I mean, take on me. It's a great song. I really think Flagpole Sit is a better song, though. No. The Take On Me uh, vi- music video is better. I'll give you that, but we're not ranking music videos. We're ranking songs, top one hit wonders. Uh, take On Me is a song that I think works in a really wide variety of ways. Um, there's a reason that it is wildly, you know, just covered a ridiculous amount of times um, because you can take that core the core of that song and spin it a million different ways and it works. It just keeps working in these other ways. Um, probably the most recent one that I've heard that was newer to me um, is actually in uh, a video game. Uh, the last of us part two has a little downbeat sequence where one of your character, your character um, finds a guitar and just kind of sits down and plays a little acoustic rendition, plays and sings a, uh, acoustic rendition of this song for her girlfriend and it's a really sweet little moment and it's really nice and touching it's just kind of a downbeat acoustic version of this song and it really really works for me and it's not like 
super tied into the story, doesn't have significant like narrative meaning that this is the song that she chose. Um, it's just like a really pleasant, nice little moment, and it super works in that context. Hmm. That's interesting. I was not aware of that. I like that they did that, though. I was really surprised. I was like, oh, take on me. This is nice. I was, I was prepared to throw some counter examples at you. Like, you know, popularity does not mean better. Like, for example, Harlem Shake, one of the first, like, you know, super viral type videos, almost TikTok style videos that debuted was Harlem Shake videos where people go crazy. And I hate that song. I really do. It's such a dumb song. No redeeming I don't think I've qualities. ever heard more than like five seconds of it. That's all you need to hear. And <laughs> and you can just have a visceral negative reaction to it because it's just so dumb. I also don't like the trend. I think it's just kind of a dumb trend. But anyway. I digress. I I will temporarily concede number one to take on me because of its wide reaching popularity. Even though I personally like Flagpole Sita better, I do think the amount of reuse that it's had and covers and, you know, tons of acapella groups have done it and it's been featured in sitcoms and bits on late night television and lip sync battles that I can think of. I mean, just it comes up constantly. It's definitely ingrained itself into popular culture, and I think for that, those combined reasons, it probably does need to be number one. As, and, as and much I as it, I don't I like it, it, sure. And I think it, I think it gets there. It hits all those points without feeling like it's played out. I guess personally, for me, anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I, as much as that song has been played, I don't feel like it's overplayed. It it comes up just the right amount to to remain relevant. Weird. That's such a weird thing to think about. Okay. Well, let, let's keep going. I, you know, looking at some of these other ones here, all my life, easily number three. I mean, mm. Casey and JoJo, obviously, you know, mm. love Ballad of the Century, cl- clearly. And uh, last century, not this century. Right? 19, <laughs> 1997. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the two songs on here that I have zero connection to whatsoever, which is all my life in no rain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is unfortunate because they're both really good songs from the approximately 30 seconds. I listened to of each, mm. um, all my life was significantly more appealing to me than no rain. Really? Yes. Interesting. No rain I- did not do much for me. Huh. I well, I guess that's probably more akin to this the nineties style that you just don't like that I really like. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm serious. I think we should put All My Life as number three. That's a great song. And I think in time, if you listen to that song, like listen to that song, think about your significant other, and just enjoy the moment you know relax on your favorite chair or couch and close your eyes and just let the the warm soothing voice wash over you 
And I think you're going to find you really grow to like this song at time. Now, while I will say that the dude in that music video had really white gloves, and that was pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's no fiddle in that song uh, that, I, that I heard. Uh, yeah, but fiddle ruins songs. You know, Devil Went Down That's in not Georgia. True at all. Devil Went Down to Georgia. That's a great song. A great example of why that's it's a great song. It's, a, it's okay. Oh, come on. Wait, are they a one-hit wonder? Oh, it's Charlie Dams. Never mind. That's not a one-hit wonder. I was thinking of the cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Um, I really, really, really like Come On, Eileen. But what I will say, mm. in, um, in relation to your attachment to your number two, All My Life, I don't really have an emotional connection to Come On, Eileen. I just think it's really good. I just really enjoy listening to it. Um, All My Life certainly seems like a more wholesome song than Come On Eileen is, which is a vaguely creepy song, but it's, I just really like it. Um, I will uh, never find another lover sweeter than you, sweeter than you. How about this? And I will never find another lover more precious than you, more precious how about than this? you. Girl, what if we shift? Are... What if we shift mm-hmm. the uh, our duplicate block here of somebody that used to know in Stacy's mom down a slot? Mm. We put all my life in at number three, and we put Come On Eileen in at number four. Hmm. Uh, how does that sound? It's it's not great. Not gonna lie. Like Come On Eileen is is fine. I only know a small portion of it, and I just I don't really feel any connection to that song. So it's it's hard for me. Like. What if we push Stacy's mom down one and we put All My Life at number three and Come On Eileen at number five? Mm. And we have somebody that I used to know. So you above. like Come On Eileen more than... So, to be fair, the three of the songs you have here that we're discussing are Eileen, Jenny, and Sharona, right? You've got three women you're arguing over. <laughs> of those three, you like Eileen the best? That is my favorite of those three songs, correct? Hmm. I know that somebody I used to know is not as high on your list as it is mine, but you do like that song and have a connection to it versus mm-hmm. Come On Eileen. Yeah, I do. And Okay, so then three, All My Life, Stacy's Mom moves to six, five becomes Come On Eileen. If you can sing more than just that immediate chorus of Come On Eileen, I will agree to this. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, here's the part. It's like the verses are weird. Um, Come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear what he means at this moment. You mean everything. You need more? No. And now that I'm thinking about it, I, I'm going to agree to this. I... The to ra lu ra 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 lu ra yeah I okay yeah really good song I feel That's like the best part it, of the song it's it, so good it is and I uh, I really feel like it's be it's been used in movies and I'm really drawing a blank on which, yeah maybe probably because that portion in general I feel like is definitely used in in movies and. You know, I'm going to look it up real quick because I, I want to know and figure it out. 
In the meantime, I'm going to move. Come and I lean into number five. And I'm moving all my life into number three. Because I think like we've, we've at this point, we've settled that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I do want to know where... Uh, so it looks like Perks of Being a Wallflower used it. Oh, it's in Tommy Boy. Uh, <laughs> okay. I forgot about that. I've not seen that movie in a long time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good old Chris Farley. Um, okay. Well, so we have five songs left. If it's good bad. enough for Chris Farley, it's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, we have five songs left in four slots. Yeah. So I, you at least know the song, The Reason. And, I do. And so I, I think that is uh, reason enough to warrant it being on our seven through 10 somewhere in there yeah i'm i'm fine if i was if i was to pick a song from the remaining five of jenny my sharona the reason no rain and play that funky music to not make the top 10 i would choose no rain because i had not heard of it prior to today and after listening to it i did not especially care for it yeah i i guess i'm okay with that the only reason being and we'll put it as an honorary number 11 it was number six on my list and as much as i really like that song i I guess uh I guess I'm okay with that. Of the ones that we have listed here, I feel the least connection to my show. Also notably yeah. notably three of the four remaining are are me songs, not you song. Your one remaining here is you did you got uh well also to be fair, you eliminated one of mine and put it as number eleven. So Yeah, but you still have five on the list already. Uh, with with the reason okay but that being said uh, of these four my sharona is the one i feel like i have the least connection to play that funky music man like i told you i downloaded that song and i mean allegedly and played it on burn tracks at least a few different times and i it's a very fun song i was in fact that funky white boy uh um i think anyway yeah Hmm. i think uh Jenny A675309 is better, you know, it's my number 3 and and my Sharona was was lower and play the funky music was lower than that. As these are my 4, 5 and 6 here we're talking about. Um mm-hmm. I I would push for Jenny to to be the highest on the list of those. So number 7, I would like Jenny to be a number 7. Mm. I I think I'm okay with that. Okay. I'll if, move it over here. if the reason is eight, play that funky music is nine, and my Sharona is ten. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. I am okay with giving you the reason at eight if my Sharona is nine. Okay, fine. So I like both those songs of play that funky music. I mean, like, let's be real. The reason kind of a middling song. But um, mm. my Sharona just um, it's musically just a much, much more creative song than than play the funky music is. There's a lot more going on there. Um, whereas mm. play the funky music, very fun song, very like yeah, everybody can sing along with this kind of a thing, you know. Um, but I think musically speaking, instrumentally speaking, my Sharona has just got a lot more depth to it. Is it just a matter of time, Sharona? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty catchy. Yeah. I don't know most of the lyrics. 
and I feel like the lyrics are also just kind of basic. But the song itself. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Pretty catchy. Nobody's nobody's claiming that my Sharona is like this great poetic work or anything, but it's got some cool beats to it, and the guitar part is really good. Hmm. I'm I'm looking at our list. I I think I'm okay with this. I think this feels this feels pretty good. I am also okay with this, I think. So why don't we run it down? I'm going to go bottom to top. We have our honorary number 11 being No Rain by Blind Melon. Who's even heard of that song? Um, We have number 10, Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. Number 9 is My Sharona by The Knack. Number 8 is The Reason by Hoobastank. And number seven is eight six seven five three zero nine by Jenny by Tommy Two Tone. Number six is Stacy's mom. It's got it going on. Yep, by Fountains of Wayne. Number five is Come on Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Yep. Number four is Somebody That I Used to Know by Godier. Uh, number three is All My Life by K-C. K-C? No, it's Casey. Casey. Yeah, well, it's I, I know it's pronounced Casey, but when I was uh, looking the song up, it is spelled out K-C-I. Yeah, that is kind of funky. Uh, uh, number, two. number two, Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. Mm. You know, I have visions. And, I was oh, sorry, them. go ahead. I have visions. I was in them. Anyway, that's the beginning of the song. Keep going. Finally, number one, the greatest one-hit wonder of all time, Take On Me by Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I, with that, I think that's right. With that, Norway wins mm. the list. My, I think my wife would agree with you. This was one of the ones that she mentioned when I asked her for her top, top uh, one-hit wonders. And at... Uh, uh, negative, or sorry, not negative, uh, we'll say at number uh, 10 billion is Breakfast at Tiffany's <laughs> by Deep Blue Something. And, the worst uh, one-hit wonder of all time. You said 10 billion? Hmm. 10 billion minus one is, uh, according to Josh, Epic by Faith No More. <laughs> ah, there's worse songs than Epic by Faith No More. This yeah. is a pretty bad one. No, it's a great song. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's our list. That's uh, that's what we got together for yeah. our best one hit wonders. That was a lot of fun. Well, OK, well, then thanks for taking the time to listen to us argue. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I mean, it, I definitely enjoyed this one. I, I love music and I love discussing songs and introducing them to people and then convincing them why I'm right, you know, things like that. So anyway, if you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at Stupid Sequence, or you can email us at stupidsequence at gmail.com. And our next episode should be in about two weeks, and we're going to keep that scheduled. Uh, As far as the topic for our next episode Josh and I were discussing, and I decided to give him full control of this one. So I have no idea what will <laughs> our next topic be. That was very maniacal. 
we we toss around a couple of ideas and I'm going to take one of the threads that we talked about and we're going to land on we're going to we're going to continue uh, this week we kind of specifically drilled into music we're going to continue mm-hmm. with the more specific focus into next time's show where we're going to talk about the top 10 video games released in 1998 ooh that was a good year it is a good year widely renowned as one of the best years for the industry so a lot of very good games released in that year and we're gonna hash out which were the best ones so oh my gosh join us for that 1998 specifically hmm. i was eight years old yeah my brain is already kind of churning on this one this will be fun good choice all right well i guess um with that being said until next time i've been scott and i've been josh And remember, with a little practice, you can argue your way into a friendship. Take care, folks. Number six. We're changing the tone of the show to be shock jockeys in the morning. What's up? It's Beezer and the Fart Monster. Beezer and the Fart Monster. In the morning, 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 morning. Rock. It's a terrible idea. It is. It's an awful idea. Please don't record. I just recorded all of that. I should start the recording over. (laughs) Just so it's not there. It reset my gain back to the max again. You've got to be kidding me. Why are you like this? Oh, hold on. That's not, that's the Oculus microphone.